Well, I tell you what, I appreciate so much our music here at this church. Every song is gospel-focused. I tell you what, you won't ever go anywhere and hear songs that are any more focused on the death of Jesus for our sin, his burial, and his resurrection than you hear. Uh, so uh, this past Friday night, we celebrated what we call Good Friday. It was the time that we celebrate the death of Jesus on the cross, the greatest expression of the justice of God and the love of God that you find anywhere in all Scripture and all the world. We looked at Isaiah 53 as a description of that event. And it was on that cross that Jesus actually became sin for us. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us in order that we might be made the righteousness of God, which is in Christ. And I want you to know that uh, you do not go to heaven without perfect righteousness. You cannot get into heaven without perfect righteousness. Now, that sounds like bad news, doesn't it? Because you think, oops, I don't have a chance then. But the thing about it is we don't achieve righteousness, perfect righteousness. We receive perfect righteousness. And uh, on the cross, the great transaction that took place was that God took my sin that condemns me and causes me to be separated from God, and he laid it on Jesus. And during those six hours on the cross, Jesus suffered an eternity in my place. He was actually, for a brief period of time, actually separated from the Father, which had never, ever, ever happened in the history of eternity. But because my sin, your sin, was on him, and the Bible says God is so holy that he cannot look upon sin, and he had to turn away from his own son. And in that moment, Jesus cried out, My God, not Father. He always called him Father. It's the only place in the Bible that he ever referred to him as my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? But within the next hour, the great transaction had been done. And Jesus then says, Father, it is finished. And into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he died. And uh, there were many who thought, well, that's the end of the story. And had it been the end of the story, uh, it would have been an incomplete story. Because Jesus' death on the cross was, in fact, the payment for our sin. But how would we ever know that the Father accepted the payment? That's by the resurrection. And when God raised him from the dead, this was God's receipt to us. Payment fully accepted. Now, it's a lot more than that. But... uh, I was thinking this last week. I want to take verses, instead of a text, I want to take verses out of the New Testament that talk about the benefits 
of the resurrection of Jesus to us today. What are the blessings of the resurrection? And I found about 35. And I thought, well, now if I give three minutes to each of those, we'll be here till supper time. So I tried to condense them down, and I, I got it down to 10. So we're going to look at 10 blessings of the resurrection to us today. Brad, you have that on the PowerPoint up there? Do what? Yes, you might have. I sent you that uh, blessings of the resurrection. Okay. <laughs> Do what? It was an email, I believe. Okay. You want me to? Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and get started. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is, uh, I'm going to have to put my glasses on in spite of everything. So call this the blessings of the resurrection. And I said, number one, that the very first thing that we have through the resurrection, this is Romans chapter 6, verse 9, we have a Savior who can never die again. And that's good news, isn't it? You know, when we think about all the religions in the world, there are many of them, they can take you to the grave of their founder. And they can say, this is where he was buried, this is where he was buried. But when it comes to Christians, we go to a tomb, an empty tomb, and we say, this is where he was buried. But you enter into that tomb and you turn and look and on the door it says, he is not here. He has risen from the dead. All right? And so the Bible says we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. So the first blessing of the resurrection for us is that we have a Savior who did die but he will never, ever die. He has an immortal, eternal life. He ever lives to make intercession for us. The second blessing of the resurrection is repentance. This is a verse that I don't know that I've ever preached on, but in Acts chapter 5, verses 30 and 31, it says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a cross, but God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We talk about how important it is to repent of our sins, but do you know that repentance is a gift? It's not something that we just choose to do. We could never and did never repent of our sin apart from the gift of repentance. And the Bible says that gift of repentance came to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We could have never repented and put our trust in Christ 
had it not been for the resurrection of Jesus. Now, number three is the new birth. And we're all familiar with the passage there in John chapter 3 that says you must be born again. But how can we be born again? Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead. The new birth happens in us as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, when when the Bible describes us before we're saved, what does it say about us? How does it describe us? It's people who are dead. People who are dead. For you were dead in sins and trespasses. I became a Christian when I was 17 and just about... Three days later, I sensed God calling me to preach, and, and, and I joyfully accepted that call to preach. And so I began to go around, try to listen to all the preachers that I could hear. I'd never wanted to hear preaching before. As a matter of fact, I loved to go to churches where they had bulletins that you could, you know, fill in all the O's and things like that, you know, what some of you may be doing today. But uh, I didn't go to church to listen to the preacher. But after I got saved, I wanted to hear all the preaching I could hear. And there was a revival meeting going on, a little church called Dixie Hills Baptist Church, and they had an evangelist named Brother Teddy Evans. He was a, a well, I won't go into it. Just, that was just Brother Teddy Evans. And uh, uh, I will tell you this. He, he announced during that sermon that he always slept with his socks on. And that made such an impression on me, I still sleep with my socks on. So I learned a lot from Brother Teddy Evans. But he was preaching on Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, he had met me before church, and I told him that God had called me to preach, and I was excited about it. So he was right in the middle of his sermon. He was talking about how we were dead and trespassing sin, and he called my name and pointed to me and said, Nicky Harris, what did God get? When he got you, and it shocked me to death. I'd never been called on like that, certainly by a preacher. I'd been called, I had been called down by a preacher a time or two, but, uh, but uh, I'd never been spoken to like that. And he said, what did God get when he got you? And I said, not much. <laughs> he said, no less than that. He said, what he got when he got you was a corpse. That's what God got when he got you. Because before you were saved, you were dead in trespasses and sin. And he said, what you needed was life. You needed to be made alive. You needed to receive a new birth. And he went ahead and preached, and I was excited about his sermon And uh, he said, how do you get a new birth? It is by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you need to be born again? You say, well, I've already been born. I I realize that. If you've been born one time, you're going to die twice. You'll die physically, and then you'll die eternally. But if you've been born twice... 
you will only die once, and that'll be a physical death. And, and you may not even die once. If Jesus comes back before or in the next few years, if you've been born twice, you may never die at all. All right, the next one is we receive forgiveness of our sins. That's a problem, isn't it? We have sin on our, on our record. We have sin in our heart. We have sin on our life. And sin keeps us away from the presence of God. Amen. And we can't get it off. We can't remove it. When I was pastoring up here at Daniel Dale Baptist Church many, many years ago, I would go up and help run off the bulletin on Sunday morning, and we used an old mimeograph machine. You young people don't know what a mimeograph machine is, but you had to ink them up with ink on the inside. And and one day I got some ink on my thumb, and then I got it on my shirt. I didn't have my white suit on, but I got it on my shirt, and I thought, i got to get that off. And so I started trying to get that ink off, and the more I rubbed it, the bigger it got. And uh, I had to actually go home and change shirts. And I thought, you know, that's a, that's a good example. Is there sin in our life? And the more we try to get rid of it by ourselves, we just spread it. And we just add self-righteousness and things like that to it. And God says, no, there's only one way that sin can be cleansed. And the Bible says it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. But he does that through the death of Jesus and the resurrection because if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. That's empty, meaningless. And you are still in your sins. Aren't you thankful for the resurrection of Jesus? By the resurrection, yeah, amen, praise the Lord. By the resurrection, he says, if without the resurrection, your sins would still be on your account and you would, your faith would be meaningless. Number five, the Holy Spirit. I had never really seen this until this week. It says, this Jesus, God raised up and... Of that, we are all witnesses. By the way, the resurrection of Jesus is not just something that people hoped for, read about, thought about. The men who wrote it down actually saw him alive. They actually touched him. They actually ate a meal with him. There was 500 who actually saw him at one time. And then many of his disciples saw him repeatedly, numerous times after he was raised. This Jesus God raised up, and that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. When the Holy Spirit came and indwelt the believers on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, this was purchased for us, secured for us by the resurrection of Jesus. This Jesus that God raised up has given us 
the Holy Spirit. All right? Number six, no condemnation. No condemnation. Listen to Romans uh, 8.34. Who is to condemn? We've all been condemned at times, haven't we? We've all come under condemnation. And do you know that before you came to Christ, you were under condemnation? The song we sang a little bit ago, it says, On the cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Do you know that you are under condemnation? But now, who is there to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You know the reason that Satan or the world or even your own self cannot bring you under condemnation? Because Jesus died and rose again. Nobody. Nobody can condemn the one that Jesus has justified and forgiven. Number seven, we have, through the resurrection of Jesus, we have close personal fellowship with Jesus. As Jesus was getting ready to ascend back into heaven, he gathered all of his disciples together there on the mountain, and he said to them, Go now into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's a great thing to have somebody with you that you trust and that you know is strong enough and you know is loving enough to take care of you. And there have been lots of times in life when we would just think, I feel so alone. And to those times, Jesus says, you're never alone. I will never leave you. I will never back away from you. I will never forsake you. Behold, I am with you always because I'm alive. I live forever. Number eight. This one's not as comforting. But this is proof of the coming judgment. There is coming a time when God is going to judge the unbelieving world. Those who have scoffed at his name, those who have ridiculed his name, those who have rejected his name, those who have despised him will come under judgment. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Boy, it's a glorious thing for believers to say, praise God, Jesus is alive. But I want to tell you, for unbelievers, there will come a day when they will curse the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. 
because his rising from the dead established him as a savior for many, but a judge of others. And Jesus Christ, the loving Christ, will come in flaming, fiery wrath on those who've rejected him. It is a fearful thing to reject the living God. And then salvation from wrath. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now again, I'm telling you, Jesus, when he comes back, he will come back in fiery indignation. Now, you know, we don't like to think of that, do we? The world out here likes to think of Jesus as the, I mean, if they think of him at all, they like to think of him as the sweet baby Jesus in the manger, or they like to think of him as the kind and gentle Jesus. But I tell you, there's coming a time when the Lamb will come with wrath. You read the book of Revelation, and the Bible says that there are those on that day who will hide in the caves of the hills, and they will beg for the mountains to fall on them, and they will say, save us from the wrath of the Lamb. We don't hear a lot today about the wrath of God. In fact, when uh, um, the Gettys wrote the song, and Stuart Towner wrote that song, In Christ Alone, there was a liberal group that wanted to put that song in their hymnal. But they said the only thing is we want to take out that word wrath. We want to take out that phrase where it says, uh, uh, save us from the wrath of God. And Keith Geddes said, no, you can't have the song unless you keep that word in there. Because he said that was the purpose of the cross. And that was the power of the resurrection was to rescue us from the wrath of God. And we don't think about a lamb having wrath. But I tell you, the lamb of God will come with wrath. But praise God, we're saved from the wrath to come. And it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, Since therefore... We have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And then the last one is our own resurrection. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus Christ will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. And then 1 Corinthians six fourteen, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. A lot of times people in my age group joke about that it's not fun getting old, to which I can say amen. This, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them with a perfect body. 
And until sin came into the picture, the bodies they had would have actually just been indestructible. They would have lived forever. But when they did sin, not only did they die spiritually instantaneously, they began to die physically as well. And their body began to experience what it had never experienced, disease and pain and ultimately death. Now, because the body was so perfect that God made originally, many of those people before the flood lived enormous amounts of time, 600 years, 800 years, Methuselah, 969 years. It's amazing. We can't even imagine that, can we? But after the flood, the lifespans began to get less and less, and we're finally told in the book of Psalms that 70 years. If a man lives to be 70, he's pretty much lived his lifespan. And said, if by grace God extends it a few more years, that's just great. But 70 years is kind of the normal lifespan according to the book of Psalms. Now, we're told in the New Testament that in this body, we, we groan that this body is susceptible to pain and sorrow and sickness, disease, all kinds of things. And that this body is wearing out. It's, it's wasting away, the Bible says. To which I can say, yep, that's right. And wouldn't it be awful if all we had, even as a Christian, if all we had was to be confined to this body of clay, this house of clay, until it wears out and then it's all over? There's some who believe that, sadly. But according to the Bible, God has another body, a new body. Someday this body will be placed in a tomb. Sandy, I remember your mom and dad, both their funeral. And we put them in a box, put them in the ground. Wouldn't it be sad if we said at that time, well, that's all. That's all. But it's not all. Because the Bible says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry and with a trumpet blast of God and the voice of the archangel. And those who have died in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are still alive and remain until he's coming, then we will be caught up together with them. And those who have died, they're already with Jesus. Their spirit is already with Jesus. But their body is going to be raised. And the reason they get raised first is because they have six feet further to go than we do. So they have to kind of get a head start because they're a little further down. And the dead in Christ, their bodies will be raised. And then those of us who are alive, 
we'll be caught up. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will all be changed. We'll be changed. And uh, someday, this body of weakness, this body of aging, this body of aches and pains, yea, verily, will all be laid aside and we will receive a new body that will never age, will never know sickness or death. And that new body will we'll live forever in, it, in his presence. Johnny Erickson Tata, who was injured in a diving accident when she was just a teenage girl <clears throat> and has been confined to a wheelchair for all these many years now. She said, when I die, I want to take my wheelchair with me to heaven. And I want to say to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for giving me this wheelchair because through it I have learned the deepest, most spiritual lessons that I've ever learned. And through it, I've been able to minister to literally millions of people. So I thank you for it. And then she said, and then I'll turn to that wheelchair and say, now you can go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't prepared for that when she was given that testimony. But I thought, how, how true that really is. There's a sense in which we look at the infirmities of this age and of this body, and we say, God, these infirmities have caused me to cry out to you. They've caused me to lean on you and to trust in you. But there's coming a day because of the resurrection of Jesus that we will be raised by the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave will raise us and we will forever be with him. Praise God for the resurrection of Jesus. And so, yeah, praise the Lord. So on this day, we celebrate the resurrection for these and and really 25 other reasons that I could have listed this morning. But these 10 give us a good start to be able to say, Thank you, Father, for raising Jesus from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today for those who have come here today on this Easter Sunday. I thank you for each person that has come, and I know that you know every heart, every person that's here, and you know those who are yours, though. Your your word tells us the Lord knows those who are his. But you also know those who have not decided to be a Jesus follower. And just as Jesus walked by the shores of Galilee and said, come and follow me, come and follow me, that same Jesus is calling out to us today, dead though we are, and he's saying, come, follow me. And through his resurrection power, we're able to say, yes, And you grant us repentance, you grant us faith, and the ability to say, 
I've decided to follow Jesus. And I pray that you will help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.